Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so good to be with you all here today. Welcome again to all of you who are joining us online and welcome all of you who are here on campus. It is truly a gift to us that we are able to worship together and I'm grateful and I think you are too for the freedom that we have to worship our Lord together whether it's at home or whether it's here on campus. And I love that reading that Patrick just read uh, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and render unto God what is God's, and, and Marco said it so well as well. Uh, we give to Caesar, we give to the government the honor that it's due, right? We are citizens, and we vote, and, and we follow the laws, and we pay our taxes, and that's what we do, right? We give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And in our country, we have the freedom to come and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus. Our government is never going to tell us who we need to worship. And it's one of the greatest gifts that we have been given in the United States of America is the freedom to worship. There are people throughout the world that are being persecuted this very day because they're trying to worship Jesus. And so I hope that we will never, ever forget and abandon and neglect that freedom that we've been given here to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so right now... We're going to render unto God what is God's. That's what we're doing together. Whether we're here or at home, we are worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in spirit and in truth. And what a great freedom that is for us. Can I get an amen on that? That's right. All right. So the other day, I needed to do some banking stuff. And I don't know if you remember the good old days when you, could, you actually used to go to a bank and physically like deposit a check, right? Can you still do that? I don't know. I mean, uh, I think you can, right? But I've given up that long ago. My wife finally convinced me to step into the times, and uh, I pulled out my phone where I do most of my banking, found my banking app, and I opened it up, and here's what it looked like. See that screen right there? Okay. I blocked out the name of the bank so you couldn't see who it, who it is, but... Uh, Anyway, that's the opening screen, and before it takes you to your account info and all that, but if you look close, there's a little tiny question there at the bottom, and the question says this, what would you like the power to do? And I, it kind of it took me off guard. Anybody seen that on that app? It kind of it took me off guard. I was like, wait a minute, why is my banking app asking me what would you like the power to do, right? Uh, is it me or is that, kind of, is that kind of a weird thing? I don't know. It, what would you like the power to do? I, I guess that in itself it's not a bad question, uh, but I've, as I've preached on this before a little bit, that word power, it has some negative connotations to it in, in our culture. But maybe we should ask ourselves, what kind of power do we have? And what are we doing with that power? Or what are we not doing with it? Banking app asked, what would you like the power to do? Now, you see, sometimes people get power, and what they do with that power is absolutely terrible, right? Allah, Epstein, and countless others like him. Other times, people with power, they stand up to justice, and they bring good to the world, right? Not many people would disagree that the powerful leaders who stood up against Adolf Hitler used power for good right? What would you like the power to do? Maybe that banking app question, maybe you can just think about it for yourself right now. What's the first think of, thing you think of? What is the first thing you think of when you hear that question asked of you? What would you like the power to do? 
And the immediate answer comes to our minds. It's, it's a telling question and a telling answer. It kind of reveals some things about our, ourselves. And actually, it's quite a fascinating question as we look at the text that we're looking at today from the book of Acts. Because we're going to see Peter, St. Peter, using power in a good way, but then we're also going to see the leadership using the power not in such a good way. Now, we're going to get there in a second, but as I was thinking about it, I would think that all of us in the room, probably all of you listening online as well, uh, view it online, we all would probably want a little bit more power to hold on to right now, right? And that's why we have this sermon series. It's called Holding On, right there. A couple weeks ago, right, we started talking about it. A couple weeks ago, I was talking about holding on to uh, the motorcycle right, rider, holding on to that experience. Last week, I, I hit you with the ghost rider and holding on at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, and I kind of really started like thinking through the different ways that we physically hold on to things in our lives. And then how does that actually apply to us in a bigger way when we hold on spiritually or we hold on intellectually or we hold on emotionally to things? And I, I love the image that uh, Chris Higgins has put forth for our theme. Let's take a look at that image again, right? It's another take on what it means to hold on. The image of the tree is powerful here. Uh, the tree is alive and it's thriving. But it has also been scarred, right? Some of its branches have seen the life, but for the most part, its leaves are bursting forth in life. But its roots, as you see, are deeply embedded into the bedrock. Its roots, in fact, probably grow deeper than above the rock. The tree is holding on to the ground. It's holding on to the soil. It's holding on to the bedrock for life. It's holding on for power to live. I hope you see where I can go on, go on there with that, right? Everything above the surface depends on what's happening below the surface. The attachment to the bedrock is everything, right? The soil, the water, the nutrients, the stability is an anchor, a foundation, a source, fuel, power behind the tree's existence. The tree is holding on to the power in the bedrock, holding on. And that's what we're talking about, Acts 2.42, right? They devoted themselves. And we looked at those words, they devoted themselves, basically one word in the original language, and it basically means to persist in, to persevere in, uh, to continue in, to hold fast to, to hold on. And so we've been talking about how from the birth of Christianity, that's what Christians have been doing. We have been holding on. And we looked at... Uh, holding on to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God, holding on to fellowship, which is each other, the body of Christ. Last week, we looked at holding on to prayer, right? It all comes from Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. That means they held on, they persisted in it, to the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper most likely, and to prayer. And today, we're actually going to dive deeper into the power of, or you might say the power behind what we call the apostles' teaching, not as merely an intellectual ascent into some idea or philosophy, but what's the reality of holding on to the apostles' teaching with all that you are? What does the apostles' teaching, what does the Word of God, what do the Scriptures point to? So if you remember last week, we, we talked about holding on to prayer, and we saw Peter and John after they had been unjustly arrested and imprisoned and then released, they went back to their own people and they prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. It was huge. 
They didn't pray for their own safety. They didn't pray for their, uh, their own security. They prayed for their ability to speak the truth of Jesus Christ to others. Uh, by the way, this past week, I, last week I mentioned how uh, I gathered with the pastors in the city of Orange down in the circle. We were socially distanced, okay? We had our masks on. We were following the rules, all right? And we held on to prayer. It was awesome. We prayed for courage. We prayed for boldness. We prayed for all sorts of things over the city. We prayed over you. We prayed for racial unity and harmony and for those who are hurting and oppressed. We prayed for our government leaders and our first responders, the fire department, the police department. We prayed for everyone. And in one of the prayers, it was just awesome. We held on to prayer. I encourage you always to do that as much as possible. Pray with others. But in the midst of the prayer, one of the pastors quoted our text from Acts today. And I was like, I guess we're supposed to preach on this, right? I love it when God kind of aligns like that. Our text comes from Acts chapter 4. It comes right before that prayer that we looked at last week. It's the background for why they were praying for boldness and courage. And if you go back even further, all the way to Acts chapter 3, Peter heals a man who couldn't walk. Peter said to the man, who couldn't walk. He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Remember that kid's song? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, right? In the name of Jesus Christ. And that's when you start to see that this name of Christ is connected with power. We'll get there in a second. But this miracle that Peter did he healed a man. Everyone knew he, he couldn't walk, and all of a sudden, he's walking. It got the attention of everybody. And he says, now that I got your attention, I'm going to tell you something. We see that all over the book of Acts. We see an act of kindness. We see an act of healing. We see a miracle. We see a sign or a wonder, and all of a sudden, everyone's paying attention. And then we see the words of God being spoken and proclaimed. And Peter says this in verse 19. He says, turn to God. Because so many people were turning to self, were turning to religious legalism, turning to uh, the government to solve all their problems. They were turning. He said, don't turn to anything else, but turn to God. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. But times of refreshing, they come from the Lord. And when we see Acts chapter 3 right there, we see that the church is, is coming alive. Thousands of people start coming to faith. The Spirit is working in a powerful way. But the religious powers that would be, they didn't like it. They didn't like the power and the attention being taken from them. They wanted to control everything. And as the power is being taken from their hands and the attention is being taken from them, they sweep in to protect their interests. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. The priests, the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Right? There's the apostles' teaching, holding on to the apostles' teaching. Apostles' teaching points to Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. The same Jesus that these people had just put to death, not weeks before, right, were calling Peter and John. In verse 3, it's, it's amazing. We look back at this, and we're like, how could this happen? Verse 3 says, they seized Peter and John, physically seized them. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. That, it seems crazy to us to think about that, right? 
they were imprisoned by the religious leader, the government, the leaders that kind of combined those days for healing someone and preaching in the name of Jesus. Could you imagine if that happened in America today? That doesn't happen. We have the freedom to worship whoever we want. They were imprisoned because they were preaching the resurrection of the dead. But nonetheless, verse 4, many who heard the message believed. And so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And at that point, that's when the banking app question sort of popped up in my mind again. What would you like the power to do? I got to admit, when I saw that question come up on my phone the other day, uh, I didn't think. I didn't think like Peter and John. I didn't think, I hope I have enough power to talk about Jesus, and I hope I have enough power to winsomely speak so that 5,000, which is really more like 20,000, if you could, 20,000 people would come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it indicted me. Peter and John spent the night in jail for Jesus and for the resurrection. The story continues on. Verse 5, it says, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the other high priest family. These are the people who killed Jesus, right? They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And they said, look at this, by what power or what name did you do this? Power and name are synonymous. In fact, if you look at throughout the whole book of Acts, you're going to see how amazing those two words, power and name, interact with each other. It kind of made me want to go back 2,000 years in time and to ask the religious leadership the banking app question. What would you like the power to do? Because it sounds like they wanted power just for power's sake. They wanted power to be able to control others. And ironically, they wanted power to even control God. And it's, this is the point of the story where we have to look at ourselves. And we have to see, do we act like the religious leadership at times? Or do we act like Peter and John at times? Verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, you got to remember Peter, right? Fisherman, blue-collar worker, uneducated, not part of the royal family, not a lot of money, not a lot of networking and connections to hold on to. But what he did have to hold on to was far more power. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man, I love that, an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name, it is by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Peter was holding on to the name of Jesus, holding on to the power of Jesus, holding on to the power of God. Peter is holding on to God himself for what purpose? For power's sake? If we go back in time and ask the banking app question, what would you like the power to do, Peter? 
He didn't say, I want the power to overthrow these rulers here. He'd say, I want the power to heal others. I want the power to preach the good news to others. Especially those religious elite who had abused the followers of God with a distorted religiosity. He held on to Jesus. He held on to the name of Jesus. He held on to the power of Jesus. And he said in verse 11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the stone. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the bedrock into which the roots of our lives need to embed deeper and farther and longer and wider year after year, decade after decade. Salvation is found in no one else, Peter said, for there is no other name, no other power under heaven given to humanity, mankind, by which we must be saved. Hold on to the name of Jesus. Hold on to the name of Jesus because it's the most power you will ever be able to get your roots established in. It's the power that saves you. It's the power that gives you freedom for eternity. It's the power that guides you. When your bank app pops up on your phone and asks you the question, what would you like the power to do? It's a great question for all of us right now. What would you like the power to do? Peter and John and the early church they were in the midst of a radically unprecedented time. Their lives were at stake. We are in the midst of a radically unprecedented time. Though different than the early church and probably not as severe, not as threatening for them. What would you like the power to do? Peter answered that question with his actions with his words, and with his life. He said, I want to hold on to the power of Jesus. I want to hold on to the name of Jesus. Why? So that I can bring healing to all those people that need it, and so I can speak God's word of refreshing grace and forgiveness so that thousands of people can be saved and can experience the redemption I myself have experienced. It's my prayer that we as a church, that we can hold on with all the freedom that we've been given in this country of ours, that we could hold on to the name of Jesus and that Peter's example would guide us. We hold on to that inexhaustible power so that we can heal others and we can refresh all God's children with his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness by the name of Jesus, by the power of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to sing a song called Tremble. It's one of my favorite songs. It really taps into this idea of the name of Jesus, the power that we have in our Lord and Savior. And as they're coming up, why don't we just pray over that? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for drawing us here this morning. We thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you and not be persecuted. What a humbling gift that we have. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, 
the greatest power of all. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that the roots of our lives would grow deeper, farther, wider into the bedrock, into you, the cornerstone. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, your name is a light. Your name is a light that the shadows cannot even deny. And your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive and it is forever lifted high. Jesus, we hold on to you. Your name. Your power. Amen.